This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to Everest. He doesn't use his real name because of his job. Everest has been working extensively to document the use of suppressed weapons and their use in the Middle East by irregular forces, so jihadists, rebels, insurgents, what have you. And you might think, why would insurgents in the Middle East need to use a suppressed weapon to get rid of the noise? Well, Everest is going to tell us all about that. It's very interesting, very geeky. Remember, this is a completely independent endeavor. So if you want to support Popular Front, go to patreon.com slash popular front. You get all sorts of extras. This episode is sponsored by thedefensepost.com. So I guess my first question would be, why did you spend so much time looking into this situation where, you know, various insurgents in Syria and Iraq are using silencers? Um, well, that's probably because uh, maybe about nine months ago-ish, um, I was browsing on Reddit and I saw, uh, I think it was the first one was an assassination in Yemen, actually. Um, by IS. Let's just check it out. The first ever one. Uh, no, tell a lie. It was a one in Anbar in Iraq in 2012, March-ish time. Um, and then I noticed a couple more from also from Iraq, uh, a couple from Yemen. And I'd seen a, a few execution videos and so forth, mostly just clips, not the whole lot. You know, you don't necessarily see the whole lot. Um, and I just thought, oh, this is interesting. Um, start getting some stuff done on it and it turned into something a lot i mean i, I obviously i um it didn't start off the same size and then it just went bigger and bigger and it's like all right that's how it ended up yeah the article is amazing um when i looked into it i was like okay this is really in depth but why are insurgents in these areas using silencers or suppressors i guess is the correct term why are they using suppressors to make their weapons more quiet because, you know, you think of these areas, it's the Wild West at times. Um, well, that's true, but there's this like a parallel thing almost. Um, and I wouldn't claim to have a brilliant understanding of how it works, but having looked at so many examples of it happening, um, it's covered in my in in that first piece. There's another one coming out that will go into a bit more detail as well, yet more. Um, but essentially, there's um, something like we've seen the uh, PKK do. Is it the PKK or the YPG? Um, just recently, where where <laughs> where they're operating at a longer range and they're taking out, you know, Turks and stuff, um, guards, and it's kind of a way to. It's not a force multiplier, but you're kind of helping to mitigate the force multiplier because they can't find you quite so easily. Um, so that's kind of that. That's one angle on it. Um, another thing is is kind of psychological. So there's this article from back in 2008 or something, uh, which basically detailed the um, insurgent attacks on uh, Iraqi guard posts. And what that was, was the uh, these guys would go up to the, right up to the guard posts, shoot the guards, and then according to this jihadi guy who was commentating on some forum, you know, one of the ones that they used to exist on before they moved into more mainstream social media, um, he said, yeah, it was half a day or something before the rest even realised. So you can imagine as a psychological tool and as a, and in terms of, you know, operational security being able to kill a guy or kill two guys and then they don't even find out 
apparently that you were doing this stuff you know it's you know it it, it feels fairly powerful and also um this is kind of a bit of a moot point um in the sense that so many of these groups like hts etc um some of the um ones up in latakia so on and so forth um have the issue where some of them run suppressors and some of them don't i've seen a few situations where they've got you know guys that are storming outposts that are entirely running suppressors that's where it's more applicable and that is something a very similar concept to what you know the u.s marine corps is known to be looking at what uh, british special forces do what american special forces do and what the russians do is that you know everyone in the squad is running suppressed so you're attacking and you just have so much more ease of communication um so much harder to find you can do house to house combat without blowing your ears out etc because because as you know well as you as you would expect to know if you're firing an ak or a um or an m4 or you know anything of anything an actual assault rifle firing that full-size cartridge indoors you know, it'll blow your eardrums out. Yeah, it's loud outside as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah, de- definitely. And that, you know, you see it if you ever look at um, like American home defence discussions and so on and so forth. So many people say, don't use an AR-15 for home defence because within the first two shots, you'll blow your eardrums out. Well, it's not completely different to that. And where are they getting these suppressors from? Are they making them themselves? Or are they importing them or what? Yeah, so I've seen out of, I'm looking at about 100 and... 30-ish examples just here it's not all of them but 130-ish confirmed examples here and i've literally only seen about two or three um actual confirmed state made or um you know proper manufacturer made suppressors um one of which being the kurds using a um using an ak suppressor a um a specific one uh what's the what's the name of it they, they call themselves um Oh yes, the PBS one. So yeah, PBS hyphen one is typically how you see it. Um, I've seen one of those in use, one of those for sale, and I've also interestingly seen a um, fairly modern Ukrainian suppressor um, made by a Ukrainian company. Um, with, where? Where did you see that? In uh, in Idlib for sale. Um, in Idlib. Yeah, a, a, a contact sent it to me, and um, that had the like so many guns there, the um, the serial numbers completely obscured, so. It's kind of hard to tell where it came from, whether it was, for example, Russian equipment that came along that they purchased prior to, you know, the Ukraine-Russia conflict, whether it was, you know, another military in the region that that had bought stuff from this company. I don't know. But, you know, it's very actually rare that you get proper, um, you know, really high quality um, suppressors there. I haven't seen any ones which I can confirm visually are, say, for example, American Special Forces ones that they'd use, for example. So, um, without rambling on the subject too much, um, it's mostly made by individuals or groups. So, um, the Malhammer Tactical um, dude, you know, on Twitter, I, I talked to him very briefly on it, just on Twitter, and the most he had to say about it was they had a, like an engineering department that manufactured them um you know i imagine that was just a few guys in a machine shop but really the way suppressors work they don't need um great resources to to, to do it suppressors aren't that hard to make is what you're saying no i mean there's that the, you can depending on the materials you make them out of and the design you use and what particular platform you're trying to attach them to there is obviously um 
different variations but no not not dramatically hard and you know someone like is who is doing who can make rpgs they can make spgs they can make vbids milling bits of metal yeah it's going to be easy for those guys eh? yeah and then of course it's literally a, a an economy you know there's an underground economy for all sorts of guns and all sorts of um you know all the way up to towels and so on and so forth yeah well maybe you can talk about that because these usually telegram channels right they use the the telegram messaging app i've seen a few of these group chats i got thrown out of one actually when they found out i wasn't you know in the market for jihad um and you know it was amazing the stuff they were selling there it was incredible i didn't see any you know suppressors but i, I doubt it would have been very hard to get hold of one no um yeah so average pricing you're looking at there's it you you do see them a lot often but i don't personally sit on these these channels that often but i do i do gather it um is because i'm more interested in the operational use typically is you're gonna you can buy an ak suppressor let's say for an akm or a slightly older model of ak um for 100 150 dollars um or for a bit of a new ak doesn't make any difference if you want to buy almost if you're going to give it the Hollywood term, um, a assassination kit sort of thing with, you know, a, a pistol with a with a magazine or maybe two magazines with ammo, with a suppressor screwed on, you know, ha- ready to go, then $400, $450. If you want to get a better one, it goes up. But So wait, they're, they're selling like, I don't know, like 007 starter kits, basically. They're selling the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. $400, for $450. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, that's not the high end stuff. Um, if you're going to, I mean, I don't have a price right in front of me, but if you're going to buy, say, an ex-Iraqi um, police force Glock 19, of which there's tens of thousands in circulation and more that are ex-contractors, so on and so forth, with a replacement threaded barrel, which, by the way, you know, they didn't come with them. So you have to get a different barrel, um, manufacture it, whatever. And with a, with a good suppressor on there, then that will be more money. But if you're talking about something like a Iraqi production of a clone of a Beretta um, M1951, which is what IS uses really often, um, then yeah, or a PPK, Walther PPK, you've seen that in 007, yeah. Right. Well, let's talk about the um, the propaganda use as well, because, you know, I saw in your article uh, a lot of the screenshots, well, all of the screenshots, obviously, are from the insurgents themselves, whether they're jihadists, whether it's, you know, YPG whether it's whoever in Yemen, um, they all seem to be using these in their videos. Yeah, well, you know, they all do seem to use them in their videos and they do use them in their videos. I would say operationally it's much less common than you'd think. But, But these guys obviously kind of have their shock troops. And you can see um, some of the screenshot, some of the screenshots I've got from HTS and so on and so forth. They kind of will have the higher end stuff. So AK-74M instead of just a standard old AK or Chinese Type 56. You know the barrel is probably completely shot through. Instead, they'll have slightly higher end. They'll have optics, um, which is something I'd like to touch on in conjunction with suppressors because actually it's relevant. And also. Um, you know, just generally higher and stuff. So those guys are more likely to have suppressors in there. And you could get the impression maybe from if you just watched what they put out that, you know, they're all kind of high end and all almost equivalent to an actual Western, um, you know, an actual Western soldier. But but they're not. But they do have a lot. Of, they do have a lot of them and they can make them themselves. So, you know. Is it a bit for show, do you think? Is it kind of trendy to be running about with suppressors uh, in your videos? Yeah, yeah, to definitely to a degree. 
Um, and also, it, it also seems to come down to personal preference. Um, these guys, they, you know, you have the freedom to buy one if you don't want to. Um, a a dude I was talking to um, just a few days ago, he said to me the average wage for a HTS fighter in Idlib or something is, you know, something like $25 to $50 a month. Now, that is completely unverified, so I wouldn't run with it. But the point is, is that, you know, if you can buy if you can buy a suppressor for hundreds, hundred and fifty dollars, you know that's quite a lot of money if you're looking in that context. So, um, you know, it, there must be there's definitely got to be some worth. So obviously some of them care about it more than others, but those that are kind of the higher end, the shock troops, the special forces, quote unquote, um, yeah, they're, they're more likely to have them. How many times can you use a suppressor before it's worn out? Ah, so this is another subject. Um, it's quite a long one. Um, if you bought one in in um, in in America, that's or one in the UK even, because you know actually you're, it's easier to get hold of a completely legal suppressor for your legal firearm in the UK than it is in America. Um, then, you know, it will go for quite a few thousand rounds. I don't have a figure in front of me, but you know they're fairly reliable, and as long as you clear them out and you make sure you're not you know you're not striking the sides of it and hitting the baffles and so on and so forth inside the suppressor, they'll last well. Now the Russian model, um, which we've seen the Kurds use, and we've seen I've seen for sale a couple of times, that has metal baffles inside, but it also has a rubber wipe, which needs to be replaced. Um, you know, sources vary, but online I've seen you know every five times, every ten times, every every fifteen times, and they need to take out the baffle and and, and replace it, which kind of is a bit of a pain. Right. What? Sorry. Sorry to cut you in there. What's a baffle? I'm referring to literally it's like a rubber disc inside the suppressor. But in terms of the a metal baffle inside the suppressor, that's basically what um, what it uses to hold up the gas coming out of the end of the barrel um, and basically keep it quieter. It's an essential component, basically. You need to replace um, that part of that Russian suppressor every however many shots. But um, the kind of suppressors which IS have shown themselves manufacturing which we can guess is probably fairly close to what these other guys are using. Look like they'd last for, for a reasonable amount of time. But, you know, um, it doesn't have to last that long because you can make your own. I mean, you know, you do you do have issues, something with an AK without going into, you know, because um, we're not talking about AKs here too much. Um, you have to obviously screw the, the suppressor on. Now, this doesn't work exactly the same way as you'd see in a James Bond movie. movie you know, he pops out and goes, duh, 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 done, and then he can start shooting people, just screws on. Uh, that doesn't really work that way. Um, but they have screws on the end of the barrel, effectively. And those aren't always aligned concentric with, concentrically with the barrel. So that means that the bullets can come out, and instead of going straight forward out, you know, straightforward and out through the hole you've got they could hit the sides and basically destroy the suppressor so that's something that a lot of people in america you know will warn about if you're going to buy one for your civilian ak you got to make sure they're concentric so i don't know how they deal with some problems like this this kind of thing's kind of opaque right and how useful is a suppressor on an assault rifle you know because you know i've seen a few assault rifles fired whatever whilst whilst on my travels um and I just can't imagine that you can make them very quiet. Yeah, um, there is a, there is a, um, there is a bit, there is a drop, but the real importance of it is to get it below um, hearing safe levels. 
So um, I believe you it's sort of decent American commercial suppressors will drop it from 20 to 30 decibels. Um, but, you know, the bigger the suppressor, the more unwieldy it is. But generally, the more, you know, the, the quieter it will keep it. So it doesn't make a tremendous impact. But when you're fighting at range and you're fighting, you know, with a load of other guys and you're all in vegetation and it's all very confusing, it can it can obviously have an effect, which is why, you know, the US Marine Corps are looking at getting everyone running them. Right. Collectively, it can make the difference. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, um, you know, from right up from heavy machine guns down to down to the individual guys. Um, and that's and, you know, that's the that's the uh, kind of the idea in that sense. And you were saying about the optics, what has optics got to do with suppressors? To be quite honest, it's a little bit of a, just, just a bit of an interest in mine. But when you see suppressors used, um, quite often they'll be used with rifles that are better, as I've said, but they'll also be used with um, superior optics at the same time. So you can quite often tell when these are kind of the shock troops or the better guys or the ones that have more money or that have more well, no, resources, um, that they'll buy, be buying things like um, Russian thermal scopes or American thermal scopes, typically Russian actually. Um, there's a lot in the area. And they'll be sticking a thermal scope on a suppressed um, AK-74M and you know by any standards that's a fairly decent loadout to be running with if you're in a load of vegetation and you're operating at night and so on and so forth these are like high-end um hunting ones typically but yeah it's an interesting it's, it's kind of a step above what you you know you envisage taliban or, or whatever and it's some guy with an ak well you know some of these guys are a kind of step above because some of them are ex-russian military etc right and how are ex-russian military suppressors and optics and whatever getting into the hands of these people well i can't explain that completely but one part of it is the syrian arab army is incredibly corrupt in a number of places and i think even pro-regime people will kind of have to admit that at least in some circumstances um i've heard of for example people giving away their brand new ak-103 um nice ak russian ak rifle for a smartphone I'll swap you my I'll swap you my new Russian assault rifle for the latest iPhone. Yeah, well the latest iPhone's a thousand dollars, you know, like is even more there. But and that's just I'm talking about the rifles there, but in things like optics and so on and so forth, you know, there's just so many ways in and out of the region. And we've we know that ISIS have used Western suppliers to bring in materials, so you know, there's just so many different directions it could come from, I think. Jeez, what is it Mark Fisher called it? Flipping capitalist realism that's like the peak of it you know um, yeah 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 exactly um uh, I, do you know what it's funny actually you mentioned that i saw that in kurdistan quite a lot where you know the the troops would um or the the us or whoever would arm the kurds it was a lot of a lot of it actually was france and germany at the time and i was there but they would arm the kurds and then you know within two days the 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 Western soldiers would be like, we're sick of this. These guys have lost their rifles and they've sold them, you know. But to be honest, the reason was because they weren't getting paid. You know, unfortunately, they weren't getting paid. So a lot of it, I think, does come down to that as well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's just quite interesting because there's images going back a long time, you know, sort of 10 thermoscopes in their wrapping, you know, 
it, 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 and this stuff is high-end hunting gear, not exactly military gear, but you know it all applies the same way. Um, or you see tens of these guys with, um, or at least the high-end ones with an Aimpoint Pro, which is a um, which is a Western close combat optic, um, and you know it's kind of hard to say where they're coming from, but it's definitely flowing, and the same thing operates with the suppressors. Um, you know, IS make a big deal of using suppressors and executions, and they manufacture their own, um, but not everyone does that. You know, it does vary. They make a big deal of it, do they? Yeah, they seem to. I mean, um, guys getting killed with pistol shots to the back of the head was apparently a big thing in, you know, the Saddam era. Um, and, you know, the state services would do that to people, um, which is obviously terrible. But, you know, that, that stuff carries a legacy. And as we know, half of the operational, you know, procedures of ISIS have basically, you know, quote unquote, been descended from some of the Saddam era people. Um, so um, it's not that surprising. And it's a big psychological tool. Again, um, you can watch a video and, and I find them, you know, they're all very sad to watch. You know, you'll get someone pulled out of their bed in the middle of the night and there'll be a t- and then they're bleeding. IS do that. They've done it in Iraq. They did it back in 2012. Um, it kind of took a step back when IS were, you know, they had a state and they were, you know, ISIS was a brand and it was a big thing. And now they're going back to the old, you know, insurgency route again. What do we, what do we see? We see more of this stuff again. So ISIS North Baghdad, they they put out a um a a video in 2015. I believe, of their manufacturing process if, uh, for suppressing a MP5 and a Glock 19. Oh, wait, wait. So ISIS put a video out actually showing themselves making the, the suppressor? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't go into dramatic detail, but it, it's completely credible. And it's, and you can see, for example, the kind of baffle they're using inside. And it, no, it pretty much resembles Western commercial suppressor manufacturer. manufacturer. And... It's interesting because they name it as, for example, it's you know it's a twenty centimeter long um, model, which checks out, and then you see videos of IS executions in slightly different areas or even the same area, and you compare the dimensions, and you're like, right, you know, they're standardized. They they're not just have you know they have one design and they're sticking to that. Um, so like a like a template. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've 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 got a, they've got a design for a suppressor, um, that they've self manufactured. They've stolen from a commercial one. You know, you see what I'm saying. You know, and just like they standardized, you know, those rocket launchers they had. Um, you know, they standardise that. Well, that's the image they try and portray. But I get the impression that definitely there's a certain amount of standardisation. Sure, like like ISIS own brand. Yeah, and and they and they do definitely seem to work. Um, they give full full details on it, and they say they're using CAD to make it. You know, CAD CAM. Um, that you know, it's in line with Western commercial standards. Um, all this stuff they claim, and to be honest, you know, I could believe it. <laughs> and then, of course, at the end, they show a guy getting sprained out. Jesus Christ! Like literally testing the product. <laughs> testing the product, but then this stuff spreads around. Um, and you know, then it could then, if an if some ISIS guys got killed by someone else, you know, that suppressor could go somewhere else, and um. You know, other 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 groups could be like, oh, you know, that's interesting. Um, we'll we'll adapt that, or you know, I I can't. I'm I'm theorising here, but no, no, I think you're right. The whole um, the whole kind of underground insurgent black market is very very interesting. Once you start looking into it, as you know yourself, have you seen these videos on Twitter 
um, Wrath of Olives, the, you know, the we're not YPG honest group that are kind of staying behind as guerrillas to, you know, to basically get revenge on yeah. Turkish back forces in Afrin. They, they, I'm sure they, some of them, they had suppressors. I saw a few the other day. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. There's a, you know, there's something like ten videos or something. Um, I think I've seen most of them. Um, and <clears throat> I think there's two or three. Let's just check my logs here. Yeah, so I've got three videos here. Um, sorry, I've got a big spreadsheet. I'm looking at um, three, three videos here. Um, in which they kill people with suppressors, and. You know, that's an interesting thing for me because they're almost doing precisely what ISIS did to the Iraqis. It, it, you know, completely different sides, but it has the same psychological effect and has the same intended effect, I think. I agree. You know, I agree. And in fact, that's where they've kind of come under a lot of scrutiny. Um, you know, well, it's funny because the kind of group, the kind of people that don't mind kind of glorifying jihadists suddenly have started screaming about all this but you know that that's that's another episode in itself but yeah i, I agree with you what i'm saying is I, I agree i think it's definitely a psychological thing because it kind of matches up with the music and all of this very dark but very effective you know i imagine they're scared yeah i wouldn't like you know i i wouldn't like to be driving around on a motorbike on my own in, in, in that situation but it is genuinely interesting because if you took away the you know the horror movie music or sometimes they do something a bit different to that you know and put on the standard you know, jihadi music, um, then it could almost be early Islamic State of Iraq videos. Um, yeah, so it, so it's definitely interesting. But yeah, I've seen them, um, and I'm interested. I'm I'm interested to see what direct you know sort of what direction they go because for me, they leave a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I don't. Do you understand what I'm what I'm saying there? They look. You know, it's kind of like is that really the direction you want to head in uh it's a hard one i mean it's like if someone came into my kind of estate and pillaged the place and beat everybody up and shot them and my mate caught one of the lads doing it and let him go i'd say what on earth are you doing so sometimes i think you have to look at it you know in that sense but i agree it's, it's a very dark turn they really perhaps should have stepped away from doing that yeah well someone said the the uh, americans have put some pressure on them to sort of don't do this quite so much and then they kind of stopped and then they kind of uh, did, did it a bit more <laughs> well the ypg put a statement out saying we're nothing to do with wrath of olives and then two days later they put their own video out executing somebody and it was a ypg video but i was like it's exactly the same you know <laughs> yeah uh, but of course another thing to mention about suppressors that i failed to mention of course is that some a lot of this stuff is a status thing as well um so you know, there's a. I don't know. I think there's a surprising amount of things, especially some of the modifications you see to guns and so on and so forth. That it's like, well, that's actually going to make them operate a lot worse. You know, but you know, whatever. Um, and I think there's obviously going to be a status angle to it as well. Yeah, tactical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's like another effect of globalization. You know, we've got the Western guys in America that love playing with, that, that, that love looking like they're, or trying to look like they're special forces. And then you've got the. Uh, Middle Eastern guys that kind of like doing that as well, but it's all different cultural things, I suppose. That is very interesting. You're right. That is kind of a an effect of globalization in a way. You know, like the uh, the tactical has gone from the kind of hick militias down to even ISIS. Yeah, uh, but it's also interesting to um, dispel some myths about the way that suppressors work, in the sense that you know I don't claim to have a great technical understanding of it, but one thing it is not they they do not operate like 
the James Bond movie style. You do not get a situation where you know you can, you can take out three guys with three headshots going, you know, and it just does not work that way. Um, at, but there is, you know, you can get, you can approach that that level of of, of quietness. But you know, it, it, you know, if you're if you're putting a suppressor on, particularly on an assault rifle, um, it doesn't, you know, it's not maybe as dramatic as people in the West might like to think. And what does the suppressor actually do? What what is the I don't know, the motion or whatever that makes the shot come out quieter. Yeah, so I'm stealing this definition uh, from HowStuffWorks.com because, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a really neat one. But if you imagine a balloon and you pop a balloon with a pin, it goes pop. It makes, loud, makes a really loud noise and it's quite disruptive and it's very sudden. But if you were going to untie the end of the balloon and let the air out slowly, it's popping it, but it's not making half so much noise similar idea so when the um, bullet comes out from the end of the gun the gunpowder is ignited behind it it makes a high pressure pulse of hot gas you know that obviously pushes the bullet down the barrel we know how that works but then of course you've got all that gassing gases rushing out um of the end of the barrel and also of like the action of the weapon as well but in this point in time we're talking about the um the end of the barrel and um what a silencer does is effectively uses a system of baffles and other other arrangements to slow those gases down to capture them and let them cool down and it doesn't have anything like a the flash um, of, of of the weapon and b the sound though you know um as i said the, the drop in volume is not that dramatic but it's definitely um it's definitely good enough to to have a measurable effect which is why you see every single western special operations unit nowadays running around with suppressors mm. and does it actually slow the bullet down you know speed wise no no it doesn't no doesn't make any it doesn't have any effects on that um now what it there what it should be noted about this though is that the crack you hear from a gun going off is the bullet going supersonic and it does not stop that um so it that bit you can't stop by using a suppressor so it stops the sound of the bullet coming you know um you know, directly at the muzzle or the, the sound of the gases, but it doesn't stop the supersonic, the, the bullet going supersonic. You can mitigate that if you use subsonic ammo, but, you know, I see no evidence of that being used in the Middle East yet, but who knows? Okay. Um, in your research, is there was there anything that particularly surprised you that you perhaps didn't think you would you would find? Not exactly. Um, maybe, maybe kind of a lot of these guys were almost on a different level to what I expected them to be um the in the the level of equipment and the level of some of them you know entirely running suppressors um so that's one interesting aspect the other interesting aspect is um i've seen a couple of pictures of isis actually suppressing um pkms which is obviously a general purpose machine gun what how the hell they're huge yeah they're huge and the bullets coming out very very fast and Aside from all that, that's under sustained fire. So they're shooting tons out, and that, and you know, you, you can look at videos on YouTube of sustained fire out of Western machine guns destroying a suppressor. Um, and it's interesting because I don't know whether at least some of them have sort of adopted the uh, the idea of suppressing everything, um, which is interesting. And it and it's it is big suppress like they're big, they're really big. Um, so I think we should say for for anyone listening who doesn't know. Um, and I didn't know up until I asked. I actually asked Aris. I was like, Aris, I've just seen this gun. What is it? He's like, it's a PKM, you idiot. Um, but for anyone that doesn't know, a PKM is like a, it's like a really big 
uh, it's like belt fed, right? Machine gun. Um, off the news, I, I saw it in Iraqi Kurdistan. They were using it on the kind of a frontline position to shoot way, way off into the distance. You know, definitely not close combat kind of a weapon. I don't think. Yeah, though, though, of course, you would have seen Syrian rebels using it in close combat. Yeah, on their hip. <laughs> but um, obviously, but no, um, it, it's not, and it's a very effective weapon. And I've seen things about Turkish troops having captured PKMs, preferring to use them as opposed to as opposed to the German-made ones they have standard because they're really reliable, and you know the Russians did a really good job with them. Um, essentially so you know that's a little bit of a segue off but um yeah another interesting thing i've seen i I was talking about manufacturer made suppressors i didn't include ones which actually originally came with the gun um when i talked about that there is a couple of examples i've seen on twitter from oryx etc um which are a f2000 i don't know if you've heard of an f2000 but it's a it's a Belgian, you know, if you Google it right now, you'll see what it kind of looks space age. And it's a Belgian bullpup um, weapon, which means, of course, the, the uh, magazine is behind the trigger area and um, the handguard. And um, it's a very space age looking design. It ejects shells in a different way to waste, like, an, like how an M16 would um, in a different place anyway. And um, Gaddafi actually bought a... I think it was a few hundred, maybe it was a few thousand of them for his son's, um, you know, hardcore, hardcore band of guys. And this was in the interim period before the West, um, before the West sanctioned them for the civil war. But, um, but um, after, you know, they'd been desanctioned when Gaddafi kind of got matey again with the West. Um, you know, so there's a short period of time, well, reasonably short period of time where he could buy pretty much whatever he wanted so among that was the f2000 which is what i'm talking about and some of them came with suppressors and it was quite interesting to see some of these rebels back in back in libya in 2011-12 holding bits of equipment which you know completely space age very high end under barrel grenade launchers integrated optics and suppressors and it's just (laughs) yes like wow okay And, and funnily enough some of them then spread to gaza I, th- I think I saw a reference that they just got, you know, when, when Libya collapsed, Gaddafi had so many guns that they just got sold along. Um, F- F2000s, AK-103, I think, I, th- I don't know if you looked, yeah, I, I did a piece about a couple of the weapons they showed in their propaganda. Yeah, Al-Qassam had them, right? Yeah, yeah, the AK-103 is another weapon which, incidentally, the, um, the Syrian rebels really like. They like to suppress them. But, um... The AK-103 is another weapon which also got passed to um, passed along in Gaza. So it's some quite high-end um, L- Libyan purchased weaponry which has moved along. But it hasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't just them. Um, what happened was a lot of the time the weapons ended up in the hands of uh, Wiliat Sinai, you know, the ISIS branch in Egypt, and Hamas, whilst also fighting Wiliat Sinai on their border were also doing deals with them. So if I remember right, that's how that stuff kind of got in. Yeah, well, that, that's definitely going to be some of it. And I saw some other thing about some arms dealer that kind of, um, in the name of the of the Palestinian cause, supported them, so kind of gave them better pricing and, you know, things like that. So it's, it, you know, there's there's um, there definitely multiple things. But it was interesting because they were, you know, top-end Russian, uh, sorry, Western weaponry with suppressors attached being used by these ragtag rebels. And in fact, I think your Twitter, the, t- the p- picture on your, not the profile picture, you know, the top banner might have an F2000 in it. Um, I'd have to check, but I think it might be. 
That was uh, perhaps I, that, I tell you that picture. I took it in East Jerusalem. Um, I was covering. There was some big clashes last year between Palestinians and the you know Israeli border guards and defence forces and what have you. And that we were at uh, Bab Huta Gate, so just outside Al Aqsa. And they were all stood on the roof, just pointing these things, man. And they were terrifying. When they started getting, when they were firing them, man, it would like it hit one guy in the head, you know, bust his head open, and everything it was horrible. Yeah, I'm not sure if it is, but it just looked like the uh, the UGL coming out the coming out the bottom of it might be one, but don't quote me on that. They got some space age stuff, man. Yeah. Israelis. But yeah, well, oh, was it was Israelis using it? Probably wasn't F2000 then. Okay, fair enough. But no, there was um. They did go reasonably far and wide, but of course these guys like to show this stuff off in their um in their propaganda, just like the suppressors. So, um, yeah. But the whole thing with uh with suppressors is actually, it as as we've talked about, it's all, almost a microcosm of a arms sales, b Western fashion. You know, not fashion in terms of you know clothes, but in terms of firearms. Yeah, trends. And, uh, and yeah, trends and and special operations forces and so on and so forth, and you know what the, what the the obviously the Arab rebels like all kind of merging into this thing where you have these guys with you know I've seen one picture um, but only one of a um, of some HTS of course we know that you know in the west you could say that Al Qaeda with you know with a scar which an an FN scar which is a weapon which Western special forces use very often particularly the Americans um, fully kitted out with all the same gear. That the rush that the um that the special forces use, you know, that the optics, the laser de- designator, not designator, you know, the um for use at night, um bipod suppressor, um and you know that would have cost so many thousands um to purchase, and so you're like, you know, where did these come from? Is there any raids which any of these got lost left behind from? You know, you don't know. Yeah, I mean. That makes sense, right? That was my thought when you were saying that. I thought they've taken that off of a Russian soldier. America. It would have been American. It would have been American. Sorry. Oh, really? Oh, okay, okay. But I mean, it, yeah, that's an interesting thing. You you say that. I, I, I corrected you there, but there has been known instances of, of Russians um, having purchased um, the civilian versions of, like, for example, the HK-417 um, from uh, the... European market and illegally bring them over into Russia and then using them. Well, in Syria? No, um, just you know, in pictures and in exercises and things. But you know, that that's you know, H and K. You would have heard of them. They'd never supply the Russians with Heckler and Koch. Yes, yes, yeah. They wouldn't supply the Russians with a, with a HK four seventeen. So, um, yeah, that that's an interesting. That's an interesting thing to think about. But yeah, it kind of bashes the uh, the Russians um, in that sense that why didn't they buy their own stuff? But I, the, I, I discount that because they make an awful lot of very high-end stuff. So, Have you seen any evidence of suppressors being used in Ukraine? I, I don't know why. I can't think why they would, but you never know. Once or twice, um, definitely ex-Soviet stuff, the PBS one, for example, but not very often. However, their special operations forces... Um, and the Russian Special Operations Forces do indeed use them um, because it's almost standard issue in that sense. Well, let's talk about let's talk about your site, uh, Caliber Obscura, right? Great name. Why did you start that? Why did I start that? Um, because I was wanted to put some stuff down in long form, and I thought, where do I do it? And I thought, I 
I want to have something I have complete control over, um, which was a good thing because, of course, you would have seen Medium.com just removed that. Um, they just removed something, didn't they? Um, something to do with listing Russian propaganda or something like that. But I thought, oh, okay, well, I want something that I'm, I'm completely in control of that I can style. And I work in IT um, in my day job, quote unquote. Um, and I thought, you know, I'll just run with something that I can completely control. And it's a, it's a great platform. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to uh, use that technical platform, the base of that platform, to start writing about things I enjoy writing about. Yeah, I think it very much, uh, with your site, it very much kind of taps into the kind of the popular front way of doing things, you know, extremely niche. It's about as geeky as it gets, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's people that go even more geeky than me. Uh, but, you know, I, I you know, all, so much of his stuff is just from open source info and um, I like doing it. And also, um, I, 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 part of the reason why I did it, in a sense, was that, co- not consciously, but there was no one else doing what I'd done. Um, in terms of suppressors, um, I haven't seen anyone write any detailed articles about people actually using them in the Middle East. And though it's niche, I've tried to get it across in a way that is you don't have to know tons about guns to understand um, what you know, kind of what's going on. Well, no, no, definitely. I mean, put it this way: I've, despite having been around guns for the good, I don't know, what, last four years, whilst I've been doing you know journalism. I'm terrible. I cannot identify them. I'm just not that interested in them. And for me, you know, talking to you now and having read through half of your piece, I was like, okay, I get this. You know, it makes sense. Yeah, and it's just a, it's just a fun topic, and also um, it's important to kind of disconnect it from the people actually using them, um, because there's an awful lot of really nasty people using them. Um, so you know, that's not what I'm trying to get it to be about. Um, I mean, you can call me a NATO shill, um, but I. <laughs> I, I'm not coming at it from that angle. Well, look, I, I get this a lot. You know, I've had people say to me, oh, you, you know, you, you're very interested in all these nasty things and you, you share this stuff. And I say, look, the information, no matter what ideology or what opinion is surrounding it, is still the same. The information is the information, you know, and that's what's important because that will be useful in 10 years when everybody is done crying over whatever reason it is that they think you should have censored it, you know? Yeah, and and it's just, you know... If you're not leaking things that are classified and you're not harming people's lives, then um, I think it's good to have more visibility, particularly if just is, is subjects where people haven't haven't followed. But yeah, there's more there's more coming up on there, um, and it should be interesting. Essentially, there's I'm working on another um, how many pieces we've got three or four pieces. Um, obviously, the suppressor one. There's something about the Taliban special forces um, or what they call their special forces, as shown in their propaganda. Um, also, the small arms that um, IS are using, or you know, the various groups out there in in the Philippines, um, which is rather interesting from my angle. And also something on that, um, you know, that Albanian sniper video, which it, you would have seen. That's that's a fun video, but that's interesting. That video because if you'd looked at that, you would have thought, oh, they're doing something that completely stands out. Um, but I was looking at the custom stocks they're making for their rifles and I know you can buy rifles just like that and I know you can buy stocks just like that and suppressors just like that. So they are putting across this propaganda image of completely being self-sufficient and that probably will be true to a degree but actually there's more to it behind the scenes so that's some of the things I'd like to talk about in there. It wasn't so much, I mean, you know, they basically were making their own stocks and forming their own weapons, which was very interesting. But to me, what really stood out was, A, their camera work. You know, I've worked with 
with uh, so-called directors of photography, cameramen, um, who can't shoot that well. And secondly, they're organisational. You know, you could tell that these guys were not just insurgents. These guys are clearly fought. They've clearly been trained elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And there's this kind of ignorant Western attitude of kind of looking down on some of these people in the sense um, of like, you know, you have this mental image in your mind, but, you know, there's some skilled guys out there. Um, they're very skilled, you know, at filmmaking, quote unquote, you know, ISIS videos. Um, they're very skilled at weapons handling. Um Mate, where can people get hold of your work and where can they follow you online? So, yeah, so it's obviously the um, Calibre Obscura website, which is spelt the right way with the R-E, CalibreObscura.com. And um, also my username on Twitter is Everest65 with an underscore. Cheers, mate. That was Everest talking about insurgent use of suppressors in the Middle East and North Africa. Definitely check out CalibreObscura.com. His website is really interesting. This episode was sponsored by TheDefensePost.com, Defense with an S. If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting. You get all kinds of extras on the Patreon. That is Patreon.com slash Popular Front. Thank you very much to the following supporters because without your help, I definitely wouldn't be able to keep this going. They are Teddy, Aliame Leroy, Emily Molly, Cedarfen, Daniel Shearer, Joanne Stocker, Margaret Bowling, Kjetil, Zachary Hinch, Stephen R.D. Henderson, L.H., Joel Tambusi, Cole Gannon and Ryan Sandercock. Thank you very, very much, the top tier Patreons. Thanks very much to all the Patreons as well, definitely. Uh, go to youtube.com slash popular front to see our documentary, Bogside Bonfire. It's up there now, it's live. We made it with absolutely no money and two days to shoot it also, considering I don't think it's too bad. We'll have more documentary content coming out in the future. Um, if the Patreon keeps growing, then I'll have money to go and do this stuff. For all things Popular Front, you can follow me on Twitter. That's Jake underscore Hanrahan, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N. Or follow the Popular Front Twitter, which is at Popular Front CO, like the site where you can find all the episodes, everything else. That is popularfront.co. We're on Instagram as well. You'll see a lot of weird kind of artwork there to do with Popular Front and also previews for any documentary work we are doing. That is Instagram.com slash popular.front. Music in this episode. The intro was by the synthwave artist Home. Just Google him. His work is very cool. Uh, specifically Google Home Resonance. I'm sure you will have heard it before. And the outro music is by my friend Son of Old, soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old. Uh, he makes very interesting music, all different styles, so definitely check him out. <laughs> <laughs>